our theme for the next uh, 20-25 minutes or so is personal evangelism. Now that's a, that's a phrase that means different things to different people. And it's a phrase which provokes a variety of reactions. I don't know how you respond internally to that term. But what is it? What is personal evangelism? What I'd like you to do is just take a couple of seconds to come up with a one-line definition. Personal evangelism is what? Okay. Just in your heads. And let me offer you one suggestion. Personal evangelism is one person sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with another person. Now, I think it's fair to say that many of us, although not all, I appreciate that, but many of us who are Christians, if we were honest with each other, we find sharing our faith a real challenge. Actually speaking to a friend or a colleague tomorrow in work about Jesus. Never mind a stranger. But just speaking to a colleague or a friend about Jesus can be tough, intimidating, uncomfortable, maybe even embarrassing. And therefore, a sermon about the importance of personal evangelism always runs the risk of leaving most of us feeling guilty. A bit rubbish, beat up, judged. And who wants that on a Sunday morning? And questions like, how many people this week have you talked to about Jesus? Or, what opportunities for witnessing in the course of your day-to-day life have you missed since we last met? Those sort of questions, and they're good questions, but those sort of questions have the potential to make us feel like a bunch of failures. That we're just not good enough. That we're less Christian than everyone else. And that, and I need to say this right at the start this morning, that is not my intention. My intention is not to make anyone feel guilty. It's not my place. It's not my intention. But as we continue investigating and exploring the birth and development of the early church, as it's revealed to us and explained to us in the book of Acts, we are confronted by the fact and the reality that a key reason for the early church's growth A key reason for its development, a key reason that we are actually here this morning, every single one of us, is because individual Christians told someone else about Jesus, who in turn told someone else about Jesus, who in turn told someone else about Jesus. Michael Green, in his book on evangelism, puts it like this, above all, how the early church grew was by personal evangelism. And a fortnight ago, Tim brilliantly highlighted the input of Peter and John, two ordinary unschooled men, as they were described, who just told people about Jesus. Two Sunday nights ago, we looked at Stephen's story, that winsome, tanked-up radical, as we described him, who was so passionate about telling others about Jesus that he ended up being willing to lay down his life for him. And then this morning we come to another key character in the unfolding drama, Another person who shared Jesus with people. And his name is Philip. Now in the early part of Acts 8, and I'm not sure what page it is on the church, in the church pew Bibles. Uh, 101. How come you're always... Oh, 101. 1101. Sorry. Sorry. 
1101. <laughs> in the early part of Acts 8, that's found on that page, uh, we read about Philip's exploits in a place called Samaria. How he preached Jesus to crowds of people, how he performed miraculous signs, how evil spirits were driven from possessed lives, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, according to verse 7. And as you read the first half of Acts chapter 8, you sense, or at least I sense, Philip's on a completely different level from me. He's on a completely different level. And therefore, I am tempted to appreciate his story. Absolutely appreciate it. But I fail to see how it connects or relates to me. Mass exorcism, mass healings, preaching to masses of not yet Christians are not a regular occurrence in my life. Probably in any of our lives. His experiences at the beginning of Acts 8 are outside, well outside ours. And therefore you may wonder, well what relevance has Peter got, or Philip got, to our stories, to our lives and to our personal evangelism? Now, if Acts chapter 8 ended at verse 25, that would be fair enough, but it doesn't. The second half of the chapter, which is our core text for this morning from verses 26 to 40, part two of Philip's story, allows us, or actually, I would suggest, forces us to consider our approach and commitment to personal evangelism. So this, this, I believe, is relevant to every Christian and those who describe themselves in that way sitting here this morning. To how we go about sharing our faith one to one with another human being. And so what I'd like us to do is read what is a relatively well-known story about Philip and the never-named Ethiopian eunuch. So, shall we do what we usually do? And just to stay awake, uh, stand as we read God's word together. Verse 26 of Acts 8. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So, he started out. And on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candiac, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, he asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Please take a seat. I think one of the first things that that strikes you about this story is how Philip was led by God. To be in the right place at the right time, this was not a chance encounter. This 
was uh, not an accidental conversation. An angel, according to verse 26, directed Philip to be in a particular place, and off he went. Now, I know what you might be thinking is this. If an angel of the Lord showed up and spoke up and explicitly explained where I should be and what I should do, then I reckon I'd listen. I'd listen intently, and I would take the angel's instructions to heart. But before we're too quick to sort of isolate this incident as a, as a one-off or an exceptional example, take a look at what the angel actually said. Go, in verse 26, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. That was it. That was all he was told. Everything else that happened after the going was a surprise to Philip. The instruction was a commission to go, to be willing to venture out, and Philip, we read, was up for that. Philip didn't know who he was going to meet. He had no clue what that particular day held in store for him. He simply heard the call to go and therefore put himself in that place where he could be used by God. And I honestly believe that this is a call that applies to every Christian sitting in this church this morning. Not only applies to us, but has actually been issued to each and every one of us. Not from the lips of an angel, but from Jesus Christ himself. Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Now, okay, Philip was told to go down a specific road, but we have been divinely appointed to go everywhere. Everywhere. Next door, down the street, into work, around school, college, university, off to Zimbabwe, Uganda, Japan, to go wherever and share Jesus. And if, like Philip, we are willing to do that, if that's our attitude, if that's our mindset, if that's our desire, then maybe, just maybe, God might surprise us by the conversations we have and by the people we meet along the way. But we have got to be willing. We've got to have that as our attitude. Jesus has said, go, and therefore I am willing to go. I've been told to go. I've been led by God to go. I don't need a specific angelic voice to tell me where to go. I just go everywhere and share Jesus. And Philip was called to go, he was willing to go, and therefore he was in the right place at the right time to have a life-changing conversation with another human being. And thank God those conversations still take place. There are people here this week who have had a life-changing conversation about Jesus with someone. But that's because they've been willing to be available. Do you know, it's so easy to lose sight of your calling to personal evangelism. It's so important as Christians we don't. And here is a great three-sentence prayer that I came across this week just to offer at the start of every day to remind yourself of your commission. So easy to lose sight of it. Father, create an opportunity for me today to verbally share the love of Jesus with another person. Show me how to demonstrate Jesus' love through my actions. Enable me to express Jesus' love in every conversation I enjoy this day. That's a brave prayer, I realise that. But often, unless we are intentional, those conversations may never take place. We've been led by God to go everywhere, share Jesus. Back to the story, Philip meets a stranger, he's a foreign high official, a man who's very different from him, 
Culturally different, socially different, economically different, but that didn't matter. He was a human being. Therefore, God loved him. Jesus died for him and he needed to hear some good news. And you know, so often we lose sight of that reality as we meet people on a day-to-day basis. We tend to get preoccupied and distracted by their appearance, their social status, their religious background, their skin color, their accent, their dress and postcode, their fir- our first impression of them, their material possessions. And we forget that each person that we encounter and lock eyes with is an individual. An individual who God is passionate about. An individual who Jesus sacrificed his life for. An individual who desperately needs to know forgiveness and reconciliation. And you know, sometimes we see people in every other way than the most important way. And Philip didn't allow their differences to be a barrier to dialogue. And that is such an important lesson to learn. Such an important lesson to learn. This is a story not just about personal evangelism, but it's actually a story about cross-cultural personal evangelism. And whenever you find yourself in that sort of context, there is an obvious and a clear need to be sensitive in what you say and how you speak. You've got to respect the culture of another person. You've got to be aware of where people are coming from. This is one of the reasons why contextualization is such a buzzword in the study of mission and missiology. Today, for example, if you're going to go to Uganda, like Connor Johnson, one of the young people from this church, with an organization like AIM, Africa Inland Mission, if you're going to go somewhere like that, they will want you to be informed about the cultural context in which you're going into to be aware of your environment, to engage in an understanding of how people think and behave, to know what people there value and hold dear. And so Connor has been asked to read a whole pile of books in preparation for that. It's great advice. Of course it's great advice because Christian history is littered with unfortunate examples of missionaries arriving in certain places and riding roughshod over a culture, being insensitive to differences and trying to enforce unnecessary and irrelevant practices on diverse people groups. But although this is an exciting development in missional thinking, and it's been around for years, I know, and although it is vital that we recognize the need for understanding, particularly in our own context in Northern Ireland, where ethnic diversity intensifies. But there is a danger of giving the impression that personal evangelism or personal cross-cultural evangelism is complex and therefore it's beyond our reach. That it should be left, if you like, to the professionals, to those who have studied it. And I want to suggest that Philip's story here reminds us that cultural differences should never be a barrier to dialogue or an obstacle to conversation. When an opportunity comes to talk to someone, anyone about Jesus, go for it. Sensitively, of course, dependent on God, definitely. Aware of your shortcomings, absolutely. But don't duck or avoid talking about Jesus with someone just because they're different from you. And although the Ethiopian eunuch was different, so different, the text actually reveals two things about him that are incredibly important. (laughs) Because they reveal, if you like, his internal condition, his state of mind. He was clearly on a journey, not just a physical journey, but a spiritual journey. There is no doubt that Peter met a man who was in search of answers, who was in search of enlightenment, who wanted to know truth. And so verse 27, look at it, confirms this guy had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 28 says that as he travels home, he's reading scripture. He's actually reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So at the very least, what you have here is a God-aware, spiritually hungry person who's up for a conversation with a child of God. 
God's been at work in his life. He's been preparing his heart. He's been stirring that internal restlessness. He's been creating an appetite. He's been pursuing him. And God continues to do that today. Continues to do that today. It's essential that we know that God continues to do that today. On our own, we cannot convict, we cannot convince, we cannot save anyone. But you know something? At the same time, what God does, God invites us into partnership. God invites us to be a link in the chain to help people find their way home to the Father. Granted, not everybody we meet today is obviously open to a conversation about faith as this Ethiopian eunuch. Not everybody attends a place of worship anymore. Not everybody engages with Scripture. So publicly at least. But that doesn't mean, surely we don't believe this, that doesn't mean that God hasn't been or isn't at work in people's lives today. Often when you do pluck up the courage and take the opportunity to begin or pursue a conversation about faith, you find that some people, yes, not all, but some people are keen to talk. And that's because there is an openness, there is a willingness to discover more. Do you know, as Christians, we affirm the truth that God still loves this world. We believe that Jesus came and continues to seek and save lost people. We affirm that God doesn't want anyone to perish. And therefore, we've got to believe, it follows, doesn't it, that God still wants to rescue and transform individual lives. God's still at work today. God still speaks. God still convicts. And although it would be really great to know exactly who it is that God's speaking to, often we don't. And therefore, we've got to take risks. We've got to initiate conversations. We've got to respond proactively to opportunities to share our faith and speak of Jesus. Because it's only as you do that will you discover someone's spiritual appetite and where they're at in their journey home to the Father. Do we believe God still loves people passionately today? Because if we do, then we've got to believe God is still at work in people's lives. But for some reason, God chooses to partner with us in sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and helping them find their way home. I, I wish it was different. But actually, that is how it seems to work. Unless someone goes and tells them and has the conversation and points them to Jesus, they may remain lost and in this story the Ethiopian eunuch he's crying out for human input God's been at work yes but now he needs a person a human being to be involved in his life to become a link in the chain Philip gets that opportunity and he grasps the moment and the next interesting aspect of this encounter and here is another great lesson to take away regarding personal evangelism is the importance of questions do you know this Conversation between the two is actually driven by questions. As one commentator says, interaction between Philip and the eunuch is driven by questions. There are actually four of them in the text we read. And uh, Philip begins with a question, not an answer. And that's because he's really keen to find out where the Ethiopian is at. And that's, that is, as I say, a brilliant principle in, in evangelism. Questions invite people into dialogue. Questions encourage discussion. They allow people to actually open up, to express themselves. Questions give people the chance to say, listen, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's going on in my circumstances. Here's what's going on in my situation. Whereas immediate answers to unasked questions inevitably close conversations down. 
Jesus is the answer. But what's the question? What are the questions people are asking today? Listen to the questions. Engage with the questions. Discover where people are at before you provide answers, before you offer solutions. Take time to hear where people are, str- where people are struggling with. The Bible records how Jesus asked something like 300 questions. I think that's significant. Jesus knew the value of questions. And to repeat something I've said before, questions have this incredible ability to take people on a journey of discovery. Or, as the old Jewish proverb said, questions are the beginning of knowledge. And Peter, Philip, sorry, started with a question and the conversation just flowed from there. But central to this conversation, central to this encounter, central to this example of personal evangelism, and here's where it gets tough, is the focus on Jesus. According to verse 35, Philip told this Ethiopian the good news about Jesus. And that is where, and this is where I'll be on, that's where I think many of us struggle. We can have conversations about kind of the meaning of life and the big questions on it, but when it comes to actually talking about Jesus, there's often a barrier, there's an obstacle. Just to mention the name Jesus with someone who's not a Christian. And we kind of think, listen, I want someone else to do that, so I'll bring them to church, I'll bring them to a Christian event, and, I'll hope, and hopefully there they'll hear the good news of Jesus in a different context. And so we shy away from doing it one-on-one, face-to-face. We shy away from doing it personally. Why is that? And I'm speaking to myself here. I really, really, really am. And there's a whole host of reasons as I reflect in my own life. And one of the most common barriers to personal evangelism is fear. Fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of being made to look a fool. Fear of not having the right answers. Fear of not knowing what to say. Fear of damaging what I think is a good relationship. And all those fears are entirely understandable. But you know what the problem with fear is? It thrives when you try to ignore it. And so... We've got to be honest. Honest with ourselves, honest with God. And if the reason why you're holding back or you're retreating or you're avoiding personal evangelism is fear, then just tell God. Because remember, perfect love drives out fear. And it's so important to remember that our security is found in God. It's found in his amazing love for us. There will be times whenever you're ridiculed. There will be times whenever you're rejected because of your faith. The Bible makes that explicitly clear. You should expect that. But when it happens, it's so important to recall and affirm the truth that our security, our self-worth and our significance are not dependent on other people but are totally dependent on our awareness and understanding of God's amazing, immense love for us. If you're so concerned with what other people think of you, and I am, you've got to remember what God thinks about you. And that's where you find your security and your self-worth and your significance. But linked to that, and finally just on this point, the importance of praying for one another. Do you know it's really, really important that you pray for each other as you pick up this great commission? To know you're supported, to know you're not alone in this. But linked to that, let me say one other thing. And I'm nearly done. Do you know, sometimes talking to not yet Christians about Jesus is not only scary, 
but it also feeds unnatural. Awkward. I don't know if you can identify with that. But let me say something a little provocative. How often do we naturally speak about Jesus with our Christian friends? When did you last talk about Jesus with another Christian over a cup of coffee, round a dinner table, or when you were out for a walk? Do you know, if talking about Jesus is not natural in here, then the chances are it will never feel or be natural out there. But back to the desert road. Because using scripture, Philip tells this man the good news about Jesus. Using scripture. And it's another one of these great principles about personal evangelism. That based on God's word, we need to be able to tell the story of Jesus. We need to be able to tell the story of Jesus. We need to become intentional about doing that if we're not sure how to go about doing that, where to start. And there's actually more about that tonight if you are interested That doesn't mean there's a prescriptive formula you need to follow. Of course not, please. It doesn't mean one size fits all when it comes to sharing the gospel. But I do believe that it clarifies the need to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And what is that hope that lies within each one of us? Jesus. So we've got to be be prepared to tell his story. And as Philip does that, using scripture... The Ethiopian responds and he asks to be baptised on the spot. Again, not necessarily a common occurrence in my experience, but here's the point. There is a humanly unexplainable power in the word of God. A humanly unexplainable power in it. Whenever it is communicated. And whenever the good news of Jesus is shared, people respond. I've got to believe that. I really do have to believe that. People today are spiritually hungry. People are searching. God is still at work. We have been called to go and share Jesus. Personal evangelism evangelism remains our calling. And so, may we go from here this week. May we go down various roads and just be Christ's witnesses in our world. And may God help us.